Karen, thank you for coming. Karen Watson is a strategic marketing and communications consultant whose practice centers on using consumer market research, advertising techniques, and stakeholder coalition building to create greater public demand for healthier behaviors and adoption of new cultural norms. So she was the lead strategist of the landmark Drink Up campaign, which is a US-wide social marketing campaign to encourage healthier behaviors and decrease the prevalence of childhood obesity by encouraging the US population to consume more water. And this was championed by former First Lady Michelle Obama. Karen, the floor is yours. Thank you, great. Thank you for inviting me to speak. So I hope some of what I talk about here today will be addressing your interest because I'm intensely interested in this as well. And I'm an admirer of Stanley's as well when we, when, since we met in Uppsala. I want to introduce myself and my background just a little bit more to give you a sense of my perspective because my experience has informed my point of view. I started in television journalism and programming, public broadcasting and public radio. I've done two stints in government, one on Capitol Hill and another at a regulatory agency. After that, I spent almost a decade as a policy advocate for satellite television. In other words, I was a lobbyist as well, which means I've been on both sides of the advocacy equation. I left Washington in 2006 and moved back to New York, where I was born, to work as global head of communications for Nielsen, which is the world's largest market research firm. Currently, I'm a visiting researcher at Imperial College London. I also work as a consultant to Say in Paris as part of the Science and Technology and Childhood Obesity Policy, also known as the STOP Project. Nielsen and other market researchers understand demographic trends. They examine purchase patterns and how those patterns are influenced by advertising. That is to say, ads that are delivered online via text message, by video, on billboards, in sports stadiums, on radio, at nail salons, in magazines, etc. Advertising is everywhere. Oftentimes, even when you don't know you're watching an ad, you're watching an ad. So next time you watch a video, a television show, a movie, try to notice the product integrations and product placements. Product placements is the practice of incorporating a product into a medium under an arrangement. Sometimes there is no arrangement because the storyteller thinks that it's important to the narrative. And try to pay attention also to the values, norms, and messages that are being communicated. These are carefully researched messages and they matter to how we think and feel. Not every product placement will be as obvious as this very dated video spoofing Hollywood's relationship with product placement. Listen, we need to have a talk about Vanderhoff. The fact is he's the sponsor and you signed a contract guaranteeing him certain concessions, one of them being a spot on the show. Well, that's where I see things just a little differently. Contractor, no, I will not bow to any sponsor. Sorry, you feel that way, but basically it's the nature of the beast. Maybe I'm wrong on this one, but for me, the beast doesn't include selling out. Arth, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. 
I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. Look, you can stay here in the big leagues and play by the rules, or you can go back to the farm club in Aurora. It's your choice. Yes, and it's the choice of a new generation. Ads and product integration influence our behavior and what we think is normal. Researchers have suggested that the hidden nature of these integrations mean we process them differently than advertising. They're kind of a hybrid of advertising and promotion. We don't view these integrations as an effort to persuade us. So it's harder to be aware that we're being sold something. For instance, pay attention to how often you see this very globally and widely recognized product, both in traditional advertising and as a part of the story structure. The company has been placing its product in movies almost since the movie industry has existed. In other words, this image and its emotive association is not just a function of our overt and easily recognized advertising environment. Given this, we have to seriously ask the ourselves the question, what is the role of individual choice and personal responsibility when we are inundated with this image and its carefully crafted association with happiness since the time we were pre-verbal? This company's internal mandate to its employees is to ensure that the product is always within an arm's reach of desire. The University of Connecticut Rudd Center reported last year that the food and beverage industry spends $14 billion a year on advertising. 80% of that budget is spent promoting fast food, sugary drinks, candy, and unhealthy snacks. As upper income people have become more aware of the damage caused by processed foods, food companies have pivoted to almost exclusively target ads for nutritionally poor products to black and brown communities in America and in emerging economies. The $14 billion figure doesn't include product integrations and placements. That spending is less transparent to regulators, journalists, and the like. I don't think I need to state the obvious, but this marketing has been a major contributor to the fact that a third of the world's population is now either overweight or obese. Some of the very same big companies decrying racism around the world and in the States are practicing the worst kind of targeting, specifically of minority people. If black and brown lives matter, do they only matter when it comes to police brutality? I'm not sure you have this term here in the UK, drive-bys. In Los Angeles, I have a friend who says there are drive-bys, which is the term for shooting at someone as you drive by. And there are drive-throughs, which means picking up a meal from fast, a fast food window as you drive through. And drive-throughs are killing more people than drive-bys. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with the Lancet report urging greater coordination between NGOs and others to resist the influence of corporations on policymakers. The lead author of this article is a collaborator on the STOP project. But a bigger question is, how do we create a climate where citizens value health? 
a climate that gives civil society the opportunity to have the public support for policy change. We need a society that expects policymakers to resist the commercial interests and to prioritize public health. New norms are very effectively created through popular culture. Market research has its finger on how norms are changing and we must use it to our advantage. And I agree, we do need greater coordination by civil society. Regulation can be an important part of the solution, especially in food advertising. But while the regulation can, regulation can be helpful, but while regulation can be helpful without strong public support for policy action, regulatory solutions cast government in the role of the bad guy. So it's viewed as punitive or as creating a nanny state, especially when it comes to food and advertising. Regulation very often can't keep pace with a changing marketplace. Regulators are under-resourced, outmanned, and outmaneuvered by the insidious ways in which advertising and product placement are opaque, especially when it comes to ads targeting children. So the question in my view is how do we create demand for health in population and use the tactics of commercial advertising to our advantage. Working at Nielsen, I had an opportunity to conduct a proof of concept to test whether we could begin to create a new, more positive norm around drinking water. I'm fortunate enough to be teaching a workshop on what I learned at Imperial College Business School with Franco Sassi. The campaign was sponsored by Michelle Obama and the Partnership for a Healthier America. We used all the latest research and techniques and then some to get people to drink more water. The message we created was for what was to become known as the Drink Up campaign was the language was neuro-tested in the very same way that Coke, Pepsi, and others test the product marketing messages for their processed foods. Again, public health practitioners can learn a lot from these techniques. In a few moments, I'm gonna show you some of what we did in the Drink Up campaign and some of the people we gathered to support getting the message out. It included multiple influencers and organizations, including reluctant industry players who sell bottled water. Now, does anybody know the cartoon character who gained all of his strength from eating spinach? Popeye. That's good. <laughs> Good. Yes, it's Popeye. Now I can't somehow. Popeye. That's right. That's right. He was popular when I was growing up. And I know I don't look that old, but he was a major motivator. Popeye was product placement for children as, as it, at its positive best. The public should want to have spinach within an arm's reach of desire. We're at a moment in time when two major and powerful industries, healthcare and food, are undergoing transformation. The food industry is being pressured by consumers to be more transparent, to provide a simpler and unadulterated offering. The healthcare industry to address downstream causes of chronic disease, to generate healthier patient populations and to reduce costs, especially in the wake of the novel coronavirus where obesity is second only to age as a comorbidity. 
These transformations are inextricably linked, but the move to prevention and wellness can't accelerate, cannot accelerate without popular demand for a healthier environment. And we do that by the language and images we use to get through to people and by how consistently we infuse new values into our cultural milieu. What advertisers and the market researchers they work with have perfected and what health policymakers and doctors should understand is that it is nearly impossible to move people by appealing to their rational understanding. What all the food companies know is we make most of these decisions about our health habits and really in every other habit, non-consciously, almost by rote. It's simply too onerous for us to be self-aware at every moment about our daily choices. Yet medical and public health professionals are basically clueless. The language doctors use with their patients and the public is often confusing and they miss the mark. Eat less and exercise more is not that helpful to a patient. Advertisers understand that people need specific and more importantly, achievable measures in order to be persuaded to change their habits. Effective communication grabs your attention, engages your emotion and activates your memory. And it also attaches to the memories that you already have. Effective marketing is almost always positive. We emotionally detach from negative messages. And when we detach, we can't internalize the message. Working at Nielsen and around the world, neuromarketing researchers don't leave to chance whether a message is gonna land in the mind and heart where it will make an impact. Using electroencephalogram probes on a baseball cap on the skull, skin conductance and eye tracking, they methodically measure and understand whether and how effectively the visuals and narrative of a message working together are able to trigger the emotion, the memory, the attention, and more importantly, the intent to act for a product or message. Now, okay, Popeye, the spinach eater, remember? Now there's another Popeye in North America resonating deep in the public's consciousness and a pop icon for a very different reason a fried chicken fast food chain. On a recent episode of Family Feud Canada, the popular TV quiz show, the host asked a question and the contestant's response was a striking example of how influential and pervasive American fast food culture has become. All right, no team has reached 300 points, which means we're going to sudden death. Give me Logan, give me Eve. Real simple, there's one question, only one answer. Whoever gets it, you're playing for $10,000. That's it. Whoever guesses this wins the game. Here we go. Name Popeye's favorite food. Chicken. Oh my God. Show me chicken. Spinach, Jerry.
So that woman was awarded $10,000 worth of Popeye's chicken after that uh, snafu because, of course, what she did resulted in millions of dollars worth of advertising for them. Market researchers also look carefully at the psychographic attitudes consumers have toward their health. This kind of segmentation is a more specific indicator of who will buy what and why. This particular segmentation you're looking at is a latitudinal study, it's been going on 20 years, of how attitudes toward health change from year to year. It's a snapshot of the US population, but almost all populations divide into groups that differ in their attitudes toward their own health. Some groups or segments are more proactive toward their health. Populations will typically have a segment like you see here who want to be healthy but don't know how. Those are the fence sitters, which are second to last on this chart. Or a segment of the population like the eat, drink, and be Marys that only cares about price, taste, and convenience. Attitudes, of course, manifest in behaviors. From there, market researchers superimpose observational data about shopping habits, media habits, such as what TV shows do they watch, which newspapers, radio, magazines do they buy, and what are their online destinations. Then the messages are placed in the media consumed by the specific target audience and with the influencers we know they follow. Influencers are particularly important. Word of mouth is much more important than any other kind of advertising. Now, here's a classic example on Netflix right now of a very blatant product integration. This is obviously targeted at a general population, but the fence sitters and eat, drink, and be Marys in the last chart are more likely to be vulnerable to this message. This movie is the screen adaptation of August Wilson's play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Uh, since its release last December, this movie has been nominated for 34 awards and won 10 of them to date, all of which means it's being seen by millions of viewers, many of them Black, who will be drinking in the carefully placed advertising along with the message in the plot. Okay, Ma, we're ready to go. Where's my Coke? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, boys. Where's my Coke? I need a Coke. Hot as it is? Shoot. I need Coke. What's the matter, Ma? Where's my Coke? I need a Coke, Coke, Cola. Uh, Ma, look. I forgot the Coke. Let's do it without it, huh? Just this one song. What say, boys? Damn what the band say. You're supposed to have my Coca-Cola. You knew that. I knew nothing without my Coca-Cola. Just a minute here, Ma. You come in an hour later. You need to Wait get out of my face, Irvin. I told is... you to keep him away from well, me. I'm tired of nonsense, I'm not going to put up with this. Let me. Ma, listen. I'll call down to the deli and I'll get you a Coke, but let's get started, huh? Sylvester's standing there ready to go. The band's all set up. Let's do this one song. I'm too cheap to buy me a Coca Cola. I'm not Old drag, Sylvester. Come on, baby. Get me three bottles of Coca Cola, ice cold. Get y'all something too. Keep the change. Urban, get away from me. Shit. You can wait till I get my Coca Cola. Ain't gonna kill you. Okay, Ma. Get your Coke. Gentlemen, the band room. Christ's sakes. Get your Coke. Now, what we did at Nielsen when we launched and conducted the Drink Up campaign was by no means a match for, for the <clears throat> impact of even one single Hollywood film. 
but it was a demonstration of what could be done if policymakers and others were to take a different approach. We had no money. We relied a lot on the goodwill and in-kind donations of celebrities and others. And of course, it helped that Mrs. Obama was spearheading it. All of the messages of the campaign were neurotested for resonance and specific market segments were targeted because the research understood that they purchased more soda than the average household. The information was very granular down to the postal code of where these people live. The Drink Up campaign began in the last quarter of 2013. And what I'm gonna show you here is a summary of the campaign. The first lady raises her glass to toast water. Michelle Obama held her own pep rally for H2O inside the Watertown High School gym, trying to encourage students to drink even one glass of water a day. When you drink water, you drink up. We got a very special message from First Lady Michelle Obama. Today, I'm working to inspire Americans of all ages to drink more water. Drink up. I've always said that. And now I'm applying it to water. One more glass of water a day? But then I'd be drinking one glass of water a day. This lady says drink up. I'm going to drink. That's right. Drink up, everybody. Drink up. Cheers. Thank you, Mrs. Obama. Making an easy choice is as easy as a drink of water. Drink water, water, drink water, water, water. You are what you drink. And when you drink water, you are at your best. Drink up. Drink up. Drink up. Drink up. So I, I want to mention here, it's not in my script, but um, we measured whether or not this worked by doing a controlled study of those who were exposed to the advertising versus those who were not and their purchase patterns. And I can talk later about how we knew about that, how we knew who bought what. Now here's an example of how we used a combination of social media, gaming, popular culture, and traditional media working together and feeding off of one another to amplify the message and make the message relevant, alive, and, uh, and viral. Americans drink a lot of beverages that are dehydrated. In fact, 43% of Americans don't drink enough water and 7% don't drink at all, leaving 75% of them with chronic dehydration and other health conditions. To make drinking water top of mind, we convinced Grammy-winning singer Ashanti to release a dehydrated version of her new song, Let's Go. We ready? Yeah. Her voice was weak and the music was thin. Let's go. 
The only way to improve the song was to hydrate Ashanti through Twitter by sending virtual water with the hashtag DrinkUpAshanti. The more virtual water people sent, the better the song sounded. Even the music video came to light as the tweets came in. Fans were able to interact and search for their virtual water in the music video at drinkupashanti.com. The campaign earned over 620 million social impressions and initiated enough online chatter that celebrities joined the cause. It also inspired NBA superstar Stephen Curry to pass on deals with soda brands and instead work with water filtration brand Rita. My hope and my wish is that this message gets out there and we have way more people drinking way more water. So um, now I'd like to show you another example of what was at the time a very expensive way to get the message out but one that can increasingly be used as technology gets cheaper, more sophisticated, and more easily deployed. Um, when people think of technology and wellness, they think of iWatches, Fitbit, Garmin, and other wearable self-monitoring devices. But those are often abandoned after the first few months, even by those who can afford them. Well. Greetings, water drinker. Refreshing, isn't it? Kudos on the water. It drops. <laughs> We created a water fountain that looks just like an ordinary water fountain, except that it's designed with a new technology. When your lips touch the water, it completes the circuit and triggers pre-recorded audio. And every time your lips move away from the water, audio immediately stops. Can I ask you a personal question? Are you a sipper or a gulper? Anyway, keep drinking up. Water helps keep your teeth nice and clean. No wonder I was so mesmerized by your smile. You're feeding over one trillion thirsty cells right now. Water can boost your mood. <laughs> when you touch it, it talks to you. Hello? Look up, look right, look left. Now look down, the fountain's talking to you. It's surprising and it's creating a moment of, of magic about something that it really is magical, should be magical. <laughs> so we started talking to me and it said, finally, someone who loves water as much as I do. You know, when this is all over, I can recommend several excellent public restrooms. So I'd like to suggest to you that there are celebrities and athletes who are conscious of the ethical choices they're making 
when they agree to represent a product. Here's an example of a popular American athlete, Steph Curry, who had an opportunity to sign with a major sweetened beverage manufacturer and instead went with Brita, the water filter company. He played an early part in the Drink Up Coalition that came together to, to promote a healthier choice. You might think all water is the same, but some water can dribble, rain threes, even drain a buzzer beater. We're all made of water, so make every drop amazing with Brita. What you drink? Drink cleaner, healthier, amazing with Brita. Early in the campaign, we were only using text on a page and an image of flowing water. But market research told us that the message wasn't making a deep enough impression. We needed to use human images. So we worked with the estates of Einstein, Muhammad Ali, and Audrey Hepburn who allowed us to associate the success of these icons to water in their diet. And I'm showing you here a, a still image, uh, but what we used was audio underneath these images, slowly narrowing in to the glass in front of them. Uh, and so that, that, so that you would get the point with the tag, it's very small to see here, but. Uh, under Einstein, it says, apparently being the smartest person on the planet requires more than just brain power. Um, market researchers understand that being healthy is not necessarily a motivator for most people. We're more often motivated by the ability to look better, perform better, feel better, but not necessarily healthy. And uh, that's what gets us to change our behavior. Having the beauty and poise of Audrey Hepburn or agility, strength, and confidence of Ali and the brilliance of Einstein was really gonna be much more appealing. So in closing, the question is, how do we garner the support for policymakers globally to resist corporate influences and the commercial power that they deploy to shape our norms? You know, how do we put the public back in public health? How do we ourselves begin to use some of the very same techniques to infuse new images into our culturally influential media in order to create new norms around nutrition and create an expectation of health in all policymaking? I think we really must resist and we can if we begin to deploy some of these tactics. Thank you.